shows lean left, some lean right, but we lean local and business. This is North Georgia Business Radio X with Phil Benelli. For the next hour, we will celebrate the businesses in our area and the people that run them. Find us on Facebook at North Georgia Business Radio X and online at NorthGeorgiaBusinessRadioX.com. Now, here's Phil Benelli. As the markets change, economic headwinds present themselves, etc., How do you continue to grow and adapt your business so you don't get stuck in a box? Here joining me today is Mr. Philip Wilhite Jr., president of Wilhite Packaging, a Supply One company. Philip, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. It's Philip Squared today. (laughs) It's a good time. Uh, So uh, I know know well Wilhite Packaging. When I think of Wilhite Packaging, I think of... Uh, several things, kind of the the premier provider of all sorts of packaging materials. But beyond that, just like a partner that's just helping people discover what they need, manage their needs for their warehouse, etc. And now uh, you're coming up on your two-year anniversary of, of being acquired by Supply One. So tell us about the company and where it's at today. Well, you know, we got a long history at Wilhite Packaging. My uh, grandfather actually started the company back in 1953. Um, you know, he uh, had an idea and was kind of doing just-in-time uh, uh, supply before just-in-time was a thing. Uh, started with giblet paper, uh, which is something you don't really see much anymore, but uh, it has morphed over the years into uh, pretty much anything and everything you can imagine in, in packaging. Uh, you know, obviously we were focused on the poultry industry when we first started, but now we've diversified a good bit and um, still heavily into food processing, but we're also into seafood, into beef, uh, pork, uh, pretty much anything in the food, a lot of bakery now as well. Uh, but we've diversified into manufacturing and distribution. Uh, it's almost a third, a third, a third on all the different ones we supply. Uh, so it's grown a good bit over the years. So you all supply all sorts of packaging material and other things. Um, what, like, talk us through one of your, like, maybe a, a regular manufacturing customer. If I've got a manufacturing plant, I'm shipping things out. What, are, what is the interaction I have with you? You're providing, because there's so much more than boxes. Yeah, uh, I think a good example to use up here would be uh, Kubota. Kubota is a large customer of ours. Uh, we do a lot. We pretty much uh, supply every one of their facilities in the area, including Jefferson. Um, we actually do what's called vendor managed inventory. So uh, we'll go in uh, several times a week. Uh, We'll go into all the facilities. We will look into the racks. We'll count the inventory they have on hand. Uh, We know what the men's and maxes are to keep in those racks. And we pretty much will send in what we know they need. So it's a very hands-off approach for the customer and uh, all the Pretty much all the worry and, and, and all the work is put on our shoulders, and we just mm. keep them stocked up nonstop, and it, and it works out great. That's fantastic. I think about a lot when, you know, at the bank when I'm working with customers, and they can either fix the rate or float the rate, and there's tools to, to fix the rate. And so often, you know, they want to fix the rate because maybe they'll win or maybe they'll lose. If they fix a rate for the next five years, if rates go up, it seems like they're winning. If floating rates go down, it kind of seems like they're losing because they fixed, but they don't want to have to worry about managing interest rates. They want to build their widgets, maximize their profits, and sell them. Same thing here. Why would they, if they got somebody like you, now it's just one more thing off their shoulders. 
I don't have to worry about my packaging. I don't have to manage it. I don't have to worry about running out of one critical component. You take care of all of it. Yeah, we take care of everything for them, so it's one less thing to worry about. Uh, we, we run to them several times a week, so they carry a, a minimum amount of inventory on hand, uh, which allows them to maximize their manufacturing space and just focus mm. on making tractors and you know skid steers and zero-turn mowers and all those things they do so well. And they just let us worry about all the packaging issues. I love it. So, and then since uh, Supply One, since that partnership began, what are the additional products and services which have come on board? Well, you know, being part of the Supply One family has really given us a lot of extra tools in our toolbox. You know, mm. uh, beforehand, we weren't really a manufacturer. We're strictly a distributor. And uh, a lot of uh, a lot of customers want to deal directly with manufacturers. So that allows us to check the box now. Uh, most people don't realize this, but we're actually the largest operator of uh, independent operator of sheet plants in the country. We have around 20 sheet plants scattered, scattered all across the country, as wow. well as a, a corrugator up up north uh, at one of our facilities and I don't know how familiar you are with boxes but a, a corrugator is when paper goes into one side of the plant and a box comes out the other. A sheet plant is when sheets go in one side of the plant and a box goes out the other. So we are very vertically integrated in that aspect now which is a whole new uh, skill set we didn't have before. Well, wow. uh, On top of that we got about 35 facilities across the country so Oof. Now, you know, in the past, we were able to supply outside of the southeast. Uh, it was a lot more work for us. We couldn't do it as efficiently. But now we can pretty much supply any customer across the country uh, seamlessly. So uh, I know one of my salesmen just picked up a facility in, uh, in, the Ari- in Arizona, uh, a big meat supplier to Whataburger out there. So we were mm-hmm. supplying them in Atlanta. They're opening a new facility in Arizona. They said, well, can you supply us out there? It was, it was not a problem. It was, it was very easy to do. Uh, we got other customers we're supplying up in, in Indiana and, and, and Texas that, that is just seamlessly by using our new network of uh, facilities throughout the country. Okay. So now if you get a customer here, then you could support their plants wherever in the U.S., basically. And whereas before you were you were working closely with the manufacturer and maybe manufacturing some, now you can just – you are the manufacturer. So whatever they need, it's just so much more customizable. Exactly. And, and another thing that helps us out now is we also have a full team of packaging engineers. We, we mm. like packaging never employed a packaging engineer in the past. We relied on the engineers from a lot of our suppliers, but uh, Supply One has an entire team of packaging engineers all over the country that we're able to utilize, and they all have different skill sets. So some guy might be a, a specialist in, in packaging engineering with foam, where another guy might be with mm. corrugate, and we're able to team those guys together to come up with multi like uh, medium packaging solutions where you might have foam integrated with corrugated materials or or you know thermoform we actually manufacture thermoform trays okay um, then we'll also when you think about getting a sleeve of oreo cookies that little thin plastic sleeve that's molded around the cookie we actually have a facility up north that manufactures those as well so, I, I wasn't thinking about getting a sleeve of Oreo cookies, but now I will be for the rest of the show. Well, actually, don't get Oreo. Go get Tate's cookies because we, <laughs> Tate's ma- we cookies. manufacture all the, the sleeves for, for Tate's cookies. Get the Tate's cookies, folks. You heard it here. You heard it here. That's fantastic. All right. So I got a question. And first of all, I thought of you as a packaging engineer because you've designed some packaging for me before, which I appreciate. Um, and, you, and you're real good at. Okay. So I would love to know uh, with, with cardboard. You know, when I get I get so much cardboard, obviously Amazon boxes, etc., and I recycle it. What? How does that all work? With how much of our cardboard do you know is recycled versus virgin? 
What do you know about that? A lot of that fluctuates uh, with the market. Um, and there are certain companies out there that, that that really focus on using recycled materials, like Pratt Industries is a manufacturer, and they are almost exclusively using recycled uh, uh, corrugated materials. Uh, and, and there's give and take on this, depending on what the market's doing. So... Um, Another thing you have to worry about, too, when using a lot of recycled materials is the fibers uh, in the actual wood that makes up uh, a paperboard. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time you recycle it, those those get torn, and they're a little shorter and a little shorter and a little shorter. So they get weaker and weaker, which they're able to make up with by using different starch combinations and so mm. forth. But it doesn't come out as quite as a clean board, so it's harder to print on. Um but there is a lot of it on the market because it is one of the most renewable sources that we have when you're looking at packaging. So uh, it's easy to recycle and it's easy to, to grow and uh, you can grow it quickly with, you know, mostly pine trees, which is obviously big here in Georgia. It's one of our largest exports. Right. Glad we have those. Great place. Great thing to have. So um, after the break, I don't want to dive into this beforehand. I want to talk about kind of the start of, of the company and all that. But what was one big thing when you when you looked at uh, this transition that you said, I want to get with Supply One because it's going to allow us to add this? Mm-hmm. Uh, mainly, it was it was the distribution, distribution network that network. we're able to get into. I know it was a, it was a big plus for all our salesmen because a lot of our salesmen they're very aggressive, uh, very good salesmen, but they were hampered by our distribution network. And this opened up a whole new you know opportunity for them to really reach out far and, and as I said, hit Arizona, hit Texas, hit Indiana, okay. hit all these other ones that are outside of our normal network. Perfect. Thanks. We'll be right back on North Georgia Business Radio X. the legacy and roots of your business. Welcome back to North Georgia Business Radio X. I'm your host, Phil Benelli, here with Philip Wilhite Jr., president of Wilhite Packaging, a Supply One company. So, uh, Philip, I love hearing about the legacy of companies. I love that you all are a third-generation company. That's just so cool. So, started in 1953 from your granddad. What did he do before he started Wilhite Packaging? Well, you know, the funny thing was, he was actually uh, had a couple chicken coops. So, okay. you know, he, he had actually moved here, uh, I believe, when my dad was four, so around 1948. Okay. Um, and, and moved here and was uh, had some, was running some chicken coops and some chickens, and then kind of saw some openings in the poultry industry to supply some packaging, and uh, you know, pretty much started out of a station wagon. Wow. So he was in the, ch- the chicken industry, which was booming. JD Jewel Company per- mm-hmm. post World War II. Um, and he just saw, hey, you know, these chicken companies, they need some help with packaging. Mm-hmm. So he saw an opportunity that he was close to, so he well understood it, and then had the guts to go and do something about it. All right, so he started out of a station wagon. Mm-hmm. Then what happened next? Well, it's just one of those things that, you know, found a product that they all needed and uh, was supplying it just in time, as we talked about earlier, right. which was you know, he was way before his time and understanding, you know, that service was such a big part in manufacturing that you could, you know, uh, pick up a lot of business if, if you can make sure to, you know, open up their their uh, warehouse space to manufacturing where they don't have to store products on it. And you just make daily or weekly deliveries, whatever they're, uh, you know, they require. Mm. So he built it, you know, through actually quality and service was uh, the, the trademarks of uh, what used to be called Willpack actually back in the day okay i love that quality and service 
were the core tenants. And 70 years later, that's still working. Still that works. hadn't gone out of style, mm-hmm. quality and service. And now things have caught up with you all where just in time is a thing. And you were in this position to, you're the guys, because that's what you've always been doing. Mm-hmm. All right. So he started in 1953. So your dad was like eight or nine. Did your dad go right into the business or do something else first? Pretty much went right into the business. Okay. So uh, he, he came in uh, after college and uh, has, has never really done anything else as his main job. He does lots of other things. But, you know, that was always, uh, as he referred to, as the goose that laid the golden egg for our family. So he, he focused on that. And, and my my grandfather built it to a certain point. But my father's really the one who took it to the next level. Who took it years. off. Which, which I see a lot. So what are the things your dad, so your dad came in, there was a good company supporting mm-hmm. the family to a good level. Your dad got to go to college. That's mm-hmm. great, right? What are some of the things he saw and he did to take it then to the next level? Well, a lot of it was uh, diversification of our product portfolio. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's we have always been that company that's like, uh, you know, we might not sell it today, but if you say you need it, we'll source it and we'll warehouse it and we'll sell it to you. It's just another part number to us. Mm-hmm. So over the years, that product portfolio went from, as I said, one item, which was giblet paper, to uh, we probably have thousands of them at this point, different items that we carry. Most of the product packaging we sell is specific to a customer so it's custom packaging so it's got a print on it the logo or, or something that makes it only specific you know to hopewell farms or mm-hmm. to a you know a certain customer so um it's um uh, a very specific industry now is not a very generic one as we started where you were just supplying mm-hmm. giblet paper that every poultry company could use so, so it's been decommoditized in some, you know, to some extent, there are things like some tapes and stretch films that everybody kind of uses. And there's some generic boxes here and there, but we try to go to a more customized packaging approach. Because then, if you know, if you're doing, you know, the same box, the eight by eight by eight that Uline sells and everybody else sells, you're competing on fractions of a penny for business. And that's not really where we want to be, mm-hmm. right? We want to be able to provide a specific service for a specific good that's customized to the, pro- the customer that ties us to them more. High service and good margins yes based on that good margins are always key in a successful business it it sure is isn't it you can't make up uh, with uh losses by higher volume Mm -hmm. just if you're running a very thin margin you just can't offer the the service that that is required service costs money you know we have some customers uh that we deliver to multiple times a day so we have a truck going to them uh every day and you know i've had customers in the past that literally only carried three to four hours of inventory on hand at a time so they had little to no inventory in their facilities it was all on my books in my facility which allowed them to run extremely lean you mm. know, which is a huge benefit to a company they're saving working capital and they're they're saving that space and they're just pumping out their product and couldn't do it without you so yeah, you're exactly. indispensable to them mm-hmm. and whatever margin you're getting which i'm sure was quite fair they're more than making up for so that's one that's an important thing to note if you, you don't want to have partners who you just beat up so much on price you have terrible margin you don't want to be the lowest margin customer for anybody because when things go wrong, when there's an ice storm or something and you can only get the trucks to certain places, who's going to get the truck? Yeah. The most valuable customer. The most valuable customer. So I love this part of the story. I've seen this with so many businesses where the diversification, which has been key for your success, really was an offshoot. It doesn't sound like it was, hey, 
I think we need to diversify product. It was an offshoot of service. It was, we're going to serve our customers. They need these things. We project they'll need these things. So we're going to offer them. And then looking back, if you hadn't grown, if you were to say, well, all we do is giblet paper or whatever, you wouldn't be here right now. Mm -hmm. You have to diversify. You have to grow. And if you just follow, follow what your customers need and lead them to additional things which would be useful, you're going to diversify over time. Uh, and it might be where now you sell thousands of products, none of which are the original product you sold. But if, you, if, the, if the business hadn't expanded its mind, we wouldn't be here. Exactly. Yeah, we are. Now, the company was sold previously. When was that? Uh, it was back uh, in the, the later 90s. Uh, we actually sold out to uh, Unisource, and it got passed around and ended up in Georgia Pacific's hands for a while. And that was actually a point in time when I actually took a hiatus from working for the company because I didn't think we'd ever own it again. Okay. Um, but it passed around from a couple different companies' hands. As I said, it ended up in Georgia Pacific. And Georgia Pacific is a great company, but they don't really understand what we do. They're a manufacturing company. We're more of a service-based company, and they instituted a lot of changes uh, into the way that we did business, which caused a lot of our customers to leave us during this Mm. time period, Um, which was a a good and a bad thing because it made Wilhite Packaging not very valuable to Georgia Pacific. So they decided that... uh, my dad was what you would call a management problem at Georgia Pacific. <laughs> so uh, they decided that uh, our profit margins, after they had uh, made a lot of changes, weren't exactly what they were looking for. And my dad was more trouble than they wanted to deal with, so they allowed him to buy it back. Okay. Which so, was great. So this didn't go out on the market that said, hey, Mr. Wilhite, you want to buy this thing back? Yeah, and go away. Nice. So uh, that worked out great for us. We bought it back, and uh, by the time we sold from where our sales were, we probably increased our sales by almost 200%, you know, uh, over that time period when we sold again to Supply One two years ago, almost to the day. Wow. So so it was in the 90s, and then you came back to the company once it got bought. Your dad mm-hmm. said, hey, I'm building this thing back up. I need you. Yeah, I took a little hiatus there for a while, and I went to work for a Siemens German company. Okay. So uh, while I was uh, in college, I did internships for them. And this is something I think is very important. If you're in a family business and you're raising the next generation to work for you, they need to go work somewhere else at some point in time to get a different perspective on business and life. And I took off and worked for Siemens. I worked for them in Mexico City. I worked for them in uh, Würzburg, Germany. I went back to Germany for another period in Regensburg, Germany, and I worked for them in Shanghai, China. So uh, I learned a lot over those time periods because I worked in finance, I worked in marketing, I worked in engineering, I worked in sales, uh, but for one of the largest, the largest electrical engineering company in the world at the time. And um, really broadened my horizons, allowed me to look at business in different aspects. Um, and uh, coming back, uh, it gave me a whole different toolbox to work with than I would have gained if I just came straight back and worked for the company and never left. Mm, that's fantastic. Uh, and it, I love that you went and got all this international experience that now you're able to apply back in Gainesville with all these international companies. We're going to pick back up on some keys to family business after this break on North Georgia Business Radio X. We 
a family. I'm sorry you had to hear me sing, but I couldn't keep it in. Welcome back to North Georgia Business Radio X. I'm your poorly singing host, Phil Benelli, here with Philip Wilhite Jr., president of Wilhite Packaging, a Supply One company. Right before the break, we were talking about, we're start diving into some tips on family business. And uh, Philip Jr., I uh, I loved one thing you said, which I think is so wise, which is in any family business, the next generation needs to go work somewhere else first. And I imagine there's a multitude of reasons you gain outside experience to bring back, bring new ideas. And also you learn what it's like to work for someone besides your mom and dad, which working for your mom and dad can either be extra lax or extra hard, just depending. But how did that experience shape you? You know, it's big because, you know, I was actually fairly young when I first left. You know, I, I did my first internship in Mexico City when I was 20. And mm-hmm. it still amazes me that my mom allowed me to move to Mexico City when I was 20 because uh, that was a, kind of a sketchy place and kind of <laughs> still is. Um, but, uh, you know, you learn so much more about other cultures when you're out doing this, living in Mexico, living in Germany and living in, in, in Asia. So uh, it really has paid off a lot for me now being, we live in such a global world now, right? Right. And living in Gainesville, there are so many uh, international companies here, um, you know, I have a customer in Atlanta that is a, a beef processing company, and it is Hispanic-owned. Having lived in Mexico, I understand the culture. I understand things. I'm able to communicate with them better. I work with them very well. Um, you know, a lot of my customers are from are European-based, especially in the automotive sector. Uh, companies like Carcoustics and Elring Klinger uh, down a little bit south of us. Having lived in Germany for over a year uh, and studying the culture, I'm able to communicate with them very well. And of course, you know, there's a lot of Asian influence now, especially working, you know, Kubota is, is Japanese and I lived in China, two very different cultures, but there are some similarities. Um, but all the different Asian cultures that we're working with now, the big influx of Korean business mm-hmm. uh, that is flowing into the state of Georgia with the Hyundai mega plant that's popping up. Uh, there's also some other Korean businesses heading to North Georgia. So it really gave me a whole nother perspective on how to communicate and how to deal with all these different cultures. There's a lot of do's mm. and don'ts, obviously, mm. when you're dealing with different cultures. Things that are acceptable here are, are not acceptable to them. So you have to be very careful about that and cognizant of your, your actions. So that really paid off, I think, dividends, especially now being the president. Many times when I'm speaking or dealing with them, I'm dealing with upper-level management. I'm dealing with CEOs mm-hmm. or I'm dealing with global procurement people. So it's very important that you mind your P's and Q's when you're doing that. So that, that, that really paid off dividends, I think in my life. And of course, when you're kind of kicked into the deep end of the pool, right. 22 years old and you're sent off to, to Germany to live, you know, um, when you barely speak the language, you grow up quick, you learn a lot. So right. I, I, it was probably the most valuable growing portion of my life was that couple year period where I bounced around the world. Mm, I love it. So you got just, not just experience outside of the family business, but all this great international experience, which you've utilized. One thing that's always impressed me about you, and this is, you know, obviously not, not our first meeting, but as the third generation guy, you in no way, shape or form that I've ever seen, take that for granted. If anything, you, you look at that legacy as you want to push it even further and do a great job, which is not always the case. It would be very easy to, um, I would think uh, just take things for granted, assume things are owed to you, which you do not. What are some things that you think your parents did to instill in you that great work ethic? 
Well, I think a lot, uh, you know, my parents are both amazing people and they taught us, me and my sister, both this lesson through life. And I always tell people they didn't teach us, they showed us. Mm. So my Mm. parents always jump in just full force in anything they do and they work extremely hard. I mean, I watched my father, you know, work 50, 60 hours a week, um, growing up on, on a consistent basis and he still does. And, uh, but he would still make every basketball game, every soccer game, mm. you know, still a very involved father uh, in my life. But uh, most of that is just they showed us the way. They didn't tell us the way. Mm-hmm. You know? they sh- I love that. They showed you the way, but it's not if, – if you saw your parents being so hardworking, but they neglected that relationship with you, you would not like that. But he was at every game, mm-hmm. and they were there for you, so you saw that, wow – man, my parents love me, they're invested in me, and they're busting it. This is the way that good, productive people operate. Exactly. And and not only that, but they're also very involved with the community. And I think that was a very important thing they instilled in me and my sister, that you you, you have to give back to your community if you're fortunate enough to to gain so much from your community, so you should give back more. Mm. So that's always been a big part of the Wilhite family, to to do your civic duties as well as, as your work duties and your family duties. Amen. On that note, we are together on the board of the Gerard Birch Foundation. There is an amazing concert coming up. What are the details on that in case people still need a table? Yeah, the tables are still available. You can get them. I believe it's September 9th. September 9th. Yep, we're going to be at the uh, old chair factory, the Midland Station over there. Going to have an amazing show, and uh, hopefully everybody can get a table and come on out and enjoy some good food and amazing amazing music and some frosty beverages. Frosty beverages, great food. And this, if you've never been, this was formerly known as the John Gerard Foundation, now Gerard Birch Foundation, uh, and... If you've never been or haven't heard of it, I'll put it in a nutshell. Uh, Some wonderful individuals from Gainesville made a big impact in the music industry and in people's lives and in recognition of that impact. Uh, Some friends of theirs made a foundation uh, that gives money to a variety of very important causes. And the way that the funds are raised is by putting on a world-class musical and social experience. Songwriters. Songwriters. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, and who are the songwriters? Do you remember the songwriters? Uh, I can't name them off the top of my head right now. You put me on the spot. But they're but, awesome. But the the key is you wouldn't know the names, but you'll know every song that they wrote because it'll be nothing but number one hits that'll be sang that night. And some of these artists sing the uh, songs better than the people that put them at number one because they have this emotional connection to uh, the song. Oh, yeah. So if you want to be right there, up close and personal, with somebody singing all these songs you know by heart that you don't even remember you knew my heart, you've just heard them so many times and they're amazing songs, and you get to hear the story behind the songs while you're drinking a frosty beverage and eating some delicious food, if that appeals to you on a nice, crisp fall evening, then you need to go to, was it GerardBirchFoundation.org probably? Yes. And get you a table. It's also great. If you've got some prospects or customers at your business, this is a great way. Get your Have your business get a table. Go there with these customers. They'll be customers for life, and you'll be happy, and everybody wins. So there you go. So as we think about that, now there's a fourth generation. Your kids, what do you do? What are some things you could take from your parents in raising your kids? What are some lessons there for our business owners listening? Work them. Work them. Make them work. And as, yep. uh, you know, as a kid, that was always my, my father was always waking me up at, you know, 
eight in the morning on a Saturday to get out there and cut grass and pull weeds and do all that stuff. And, you know, I've started that with my boys right now. Matter of fact, this weekend, my oldest Turner is about to turn 13. Wow. It's a big birthday turning into a teenager. But uh, this last Saturday, we spent a couple hours uh, out in one of our pastures learning how to drive a small Kubota tractor. Amen. And a small, uh, well, not small, but a zero-turn Kubota lawnmower. So he has now learned to cut the grass with two of our different uh, machines out there. And uh, he can't wait to get out there and do it some more and earn a little bit of spending money. I love it. If you really think about it, are there even other kinds of tractors in Kubota? Mm. Not that matter. It's not orange. doesn't so- work. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, Well, I love that. And work is so good. And uh, if you're a parent, uh, I would encourage you. I work my kids a pretty good bit, too, and they get to have a lot of fun. But uh, I hear so many, especially living on the farm, so many people are like, oh, yeah, I grew up on a farm. I'm so glad I did, and I got to go do that work. I didn't always like it at the time. And I try to keep that in mind when my kids are complaining um, that this is good for them. And a lot of things that are good for you might not feel good at the time, but they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I can't help but plug a concept that is very important to me, which is that going through challenge and difficulty, with certainly kids getting up you know, earlier in the morning and doing work, is, will be a challenge. But going through challenge and difficulty does not guarantee your growth. But there is no growth without challenge and difficulty. I'll say it again, audience. Going through challenge and difficulty does not guarantee growth, but there is no growth possible without challenge and difficulty. We'll be back in a moment on North Georgia Business Radio X. What's new on your horizon? Welcome back to North Georgia Business Radio X. I'm your host, Phil Benelli, here with Philip Wilhite Jr., president of Wilhite Packaging, a Supply One company. Uh, Philip, thank you so much for indulging us in uh, where the company is, the history of the company, which I know we could have dove even way more in, and I love hearing that. It's very inspiring to me. Um, but there's a bright future ahead and new things happening. What are some of the things coming up on the horizon? Well, yeah, one of the cool things about Supply One that we didn't really, we, we did some in the past, but not nearly as much as, you know, we sold machinery such as case sealers, uh, stretch wrappers, all the basic things you need to, in, in the packaging line. But with Supply One, it's really one of our focuses is automation. So we have a full team of, uh, of engineers and uh, uh, we can put together full packages for companies to automate their lines. And we actually extend sometimes past the, just the packaging. Um, but we also have have a full team of technicians on hand that do preventative maintenance Mm. uh, and uh, installs everything. So we have a full team that's all over the, the country that does this. But it's a lot of exciting things, you know. The empty brown box isn't real sexy and real fun, but uh, when you get into these robots and, and everything in the packaging world, it's very interesting. Matter of fact, one thing we're exploring right now, what's called BLE, 
Okay. It's called Bluetooth Low Energy, and they are um, we're meeting with a company uh, to discuss the capabilities of this uh, tomorrow, and uh, it's actually a tag that will be inserted in a box, and that tag can be read with certain infrastructure built into the uh, customer's facilities and the different chains uh, in, in the logistic chain, and uh, it will read those tags. So it'll read uh, however many quantities aside to that. So say you put it in a, a box of King's Hawaiian bread. Say there's 24 packs in that case. Well, it'll read it 24 packs are leaving the facility. And every time it goes to a new facility, it will read them into inventory. Wow. But the key thing to this that's really interesting for the people in the food processing is it'll track temperature changes. So now, you know, if that bread has to stay below 46 degrees or whatever it needs to stay at to remain fresh you can make sure it stays at and if it ever gets outside of that range it'll it'll note it and then you can see where in the uh, chain that there might have been a failure that occurred so this is very important for food safety freshness and everything the the tracking that's required now uh, in today's you know regulated world of, of food so this goes beyond i would imagine this would replace barcodes right it's it's like instead of having to scan it i have a there's somehow it's hooked up to bluetooth and it scans itself via bluetooth yeah it'll, it'll scan itself which is good because you take out some of the human error that can occur you know uh, the guy scanning the barcodes might miss a barcode so that won't get received in therefore you'll throw your inventory off this is a machine does it all and takes care of it. So as long as the information is inputted on the beginning correctly, it'll track it throughout the supply chain. Wow, amazing. So you all, you're utilizing this. Do you build these systems or how, how does this work? We'll be able to uh, sell these and install these systems once we, we figure everything out. This is new technology that's not really out a whole lot yet, but we always try to stay a step ahead of obviously of our competition and everywhere else. And you know, a lot of this is one of those things like your customer we try to sell our customers things they didn't know they needed. Right. So this is one of those things that I've been educating some of my, my customers, specifically in uh, food processing, and they're very excited to hear about this because it alleviates a lot of problems that they have with inventory tracking. But most importantly, that, that temperature change is, is a key uh, mm. aspect in this uh, technology that they're very interested in. Mm-hmm. If you are out there and you either really need some help managing your supply chain or certainly, if you need help uh, tracking temperature of a product, give Philip uh, Jr. a call. Reach out to him. Please do. They have the goods. So with this overall, so I want to hear more about also the overall automation in the line. So it's still primarily focused on packaging, but you go, I guess, to the end of the production line and have set up robots where it packages everything for people and tracks them? Yeah, we can do things as basic as what's called a case sealer, and that's when you put a box on it, you run it through a machine, and it tapes the top and the bottom of the box, all the way up to full line automation. So uh, we're in the midst of installing a product right now for a customer, and this was a, a bunch of custom machinery that actually extends past packaging. This this customer produces a product that is essentially a glass tube. It's used in, uh, I believe it's fiber optics. But it'll actually take that tube, pick it off the line, and then run it through a full packaging process wow. um, that you know does all the, the packaging around it and gets it ready to be shipped. But uh, So we can do your most basic thing instead of stretch wrapping and, and case sealing to actually fully automated robotics uh, on our lines that will handle product and, and do more. Amazing. 
Do the robots ever call in sick for work? Never do. Do they show? Do they show up hungover? Nope. Wow. I haven't seen one yet. Amazing. <laughs> If you have product that's getting packaged and you also are having a hard time finding enough employees to package said product or do anything else, give Philip Jr. a call. Well, it's a big thing up here. And, and you know, in Hall County, we're between 2 and 3% unemployment right now. So it's, it's, it's not only a luxury, it's a necessity for some of these companies just because there is nobody to hire that's right. right now. So you got to find ways to automate and you can reallocate those people that's right. to other other areas of your business that's right and yeah at two and three percent unemployment it's not like these robots are taking people's jobs they're they're taking a basic commoditized labor component so you can reallocate and uh, maybe give something give folks something to do that they might find more fulfilling than just putting tape on a box exactly but if they do if you do just want people to put tape on a box i know the guy who gets you the tape and the box Exactly. He'll serve you. Happy to sell all of it. He'll take care of it. You know, I love this, and I want to go back to a little something that stands out, a lesson. Um, And you mentioned the guys in your organization, the sales guys, they're aggressive. They want to go out there and grow grow the business. And this more national scope allows them to do that. I love that. And I want to just say something on sales, because in many ways, you are still in sales. You're, You're a salesman, and many people are frightened by doing sales. They're scared of making the cold calls and whatnot. And if you listen to what Philip's talking about, this is so much when you are calling on prospects and customers, he is adding a tremendous amount of value. And that makes selling so much better. You're not trying to rip someone off on a used car. You're looking to drastically improve their business and their life. And that's a wonderful thing. And I want you to think about a business owner, perhaps you are out there and you uh, have some product or service and that's how you got in the business and selling is hard for you. If you're adding value to the world, you need to, you're, you're hurting things if you're not going and sharing that and make people's lives better. So keep up the good work, Philip Will High Jr. Will do. Will do. I love it. So automation coming. Um, and then how many sales guys do you have out there? You know, just in our little section of Wilhite Packaging, part of the, you know, the big supply one uh, beast that we're a part of now, uh, we have about 16 or 17 salesmen. Wow. And they're scattered across uh, the Carolinas, mostly in Georgia. We have uh, one or two in Alabama, and we got one that kind of handles South Georgia area, but he actually lives over in South Carolina and kind of dips down in Savannah and runs all the way across to Bainbridge. Getting after it. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on the, you know, business keeps growing in this area. Uh, what are your thoughts on the uh, new inland port and how that's going to impact things? Uh, we're very excited about the inland port. Uh, that's going to really uh, revolutionize uh, the way we do business up here in northeast Georgia. I mean, this could have impacts on the business climate up here as much as uh, Jesse Jewell uh, did uh, mm. back in the day. Um, the amount, uh, just the efficiency of moving cargo to and from the port by utilizing rail uh, can really change the way we do things here. Mm. It's a very exciting time to be up here in Northeast Georgia. Matter of fact, I was speaking, uh, you know, the Savannah area market has been the number one market uh, for warehouse space absorption over the last three years. They've been building 15, 20 million square feet at a time, but they're losing capacity. They're actually absorbing that and more. Mm. But I was speaking with some of uh, the people at the port the other day, and they said they're actually fielding more calls for economic development product uh, projects 
in Hall County than they are in Savannah right wow. now, uh, based on this new inland port that's just started construction. If you're in Northeast Georgia, which you likely are if you're listening to this podcast, uh, there's a great trade wind blowing along behind us. Be bold in throwing up your sail to take advantage. All right, we're going to do a uh, wrap-up for the show. Fip, what should we wrap up about? Ooh, that's a good one. And any three things you want, or two things, whatever you want. You know, well, we just talked about the inland port. Inland you port. Know, the, the, and if we're in Gainesville, we got to talk about chickens. Chickens. So I'm really going to throw you a you know, curveball there and see how you put a train and All chicken right. together. Check it out check it bookcock i want to eat some chicken can you put it in a box that's right and i won't hear any retort i want to send the chicken to russia on the inland port put it on a ship on the train car yo send it all around the globe whoa whoa take the chicken and send it around the world so we could feed all the other boys and girls and we're out thank you philip wilhite jr north georgia business radio x been listening to North Georgia Business Radio X with Phil Vanelli. What local business do you know that should be highlighted on our program? Let us know. Just search North Georgia Business Radio X on Facebook or contact Bo at businessradiox.com. See you next time and remember to support our local businesses.